Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. This is episode 28. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. We've got special guests Ricky and Nathan. Howdy, what? howdy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> On this episode, I like to picture when I, when I first um, started working with the, the team, there was already Nathan was already here, and I was also Nathan. And so I like to picture it like we had a Western standoff, like a, you know, with the tumbleweeds uh-huh. over who in the got, middle of the town. Who got Nathan and who got Nate? And I don't know. I came out with Nate. So, <laughs> so just know if we refer, if we say Nathan, it's it's the other Nathan, and Nate, it's it's the this Nate. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's funny, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I do think it's funny, like, like. We do have members who like sometimes get it backwards uh-huh. and they're like, oh yeah, well when Nate was talking about this and I'm like, no, that was definitely Nathan. Um, so I'm sorry for the confusion. It's sorry. <laughs> it's just how it works. Or I'll get people um, tagging me uh, sometimes. Oh, in the community, the community at Nate. For blogging yeah. stuff. Right. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm yep. the wrong one. I think you meant Nathan. <laughs> sorry. So now you know, if you didn't already know that, now you know. Yep. So we've got a fun topic today, and there's a very particular reason I invited both Nathan and Ricky on here, um, because we are talking about the lesser mentioned archetype in YouTube, specifically the .75 I'm calling, Mm -hmm. the search archetype. Now, uh, just a little groundwork before we get into like, you know, reasons for doing it and all of that. The reason I originally called it the 0.75 is because it's a very different model than the other ones. The other ones all have some form of ongoing audience building aspects. The search archetype is the most passive one. And, and because of that, the approach to doing it is extremely different. Uh, and so I wanted to have kind of a discussion about what that would look like for a few reasons. So the one would be if you're considering doing a more searchable YouTube channel or if you're doing a YouTube for blogging, um, this then listen up because a lot of these same principles will apply uh, to your channel. Or uh, again, if you're just wanting to do a bit more searchable stuff or you might consider doing a secondary channel in this model we're about to discuss. Sound good, everyone? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Great. So, uh, like I said at the beginning, why would you want to do this? Let's let's talk why you'd want to do it and then what it looks like. So, first of all, why would you want to do a search archetype YouTube channel? Well, I mean, there are a couple of reasons. Uh The first one um, is near and dear to me, and that is (laughs) if you are currently blogging and you want to start creating YouTube content, this YouTube content can fit very, very well alongside blog content and they can really support each other. You can create these videos, embed them on your website and create blog posts that are supplemental to it. I think it's the easiest transition to for bloggers to make Mm -hmm. because we're so used to search focused content um, that kind of any of the other archetypes are a a very different uh, approach to uh, even just to topic selection and content creation mm-hmm. diametrically so different. A, this yeah. is like almost a straight across instead of writing it and make a video about right. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So to me that stands out as a, yeah. Something that I there. think about maybe is personality. And this is one that for me that I kind of connect with is like the more passive type of YouTube channel where maybe I am not like the superstar of the channel, you know, where I don't have mm-hmm. to be like this, almost caricature of myself where 
I can just have videos that kind of go into, you know, eternity, you know, about whatever topic I'm talking about. And I don't necessarily have to have um, a regularly, like a regular publishing schedule. That type of channel really appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that for me personally, that's probably why I would pursue this type or this archetype because I don't know if I want to publish two times a week for the next 25 years. Uh No. Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing I would add to what you were both saying is it is, and I already mentioned this earlier, it's potentially the most pre-plannable uh, right. and most passive type of mm-hmm. doing YouTube. And it still works. It's just so different right. than the other types. And actually, I guess a little background here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say their name, but a lot of this came because of a discussion we had a few days ago. Um, there was a Project 24 member who was feeling really frustrated because they were trying to do, they were, uh, they are um, a professional in their field and they're trying to do a channel and they tried it a few different archetypes. And when it came down to it, we realized that for their topic matter, it would almost be better right. to do this model we're about to describe uh, in this episode because the, the goal was to create something that generates leads that um, gets people in the door and you don't necessarily have to want to worry about doing the, you know, the vlog style mm-hmm. or, or the other archetypes that we, that we talk about. And so this model might be exactly what they're looking for. So let's talk about it. So like I said, uh, many of the search techniques, if you're, even if you're just doing, you already have your channel going and you're maybe trying to capture a bit more search traffic, um, there are some of the techniques we're going to discuss today that will be applicable to you. So let's talk about this. This, on a high level, a search archetype channel, the goal is, well, it's in the name, it's to win YouTube search first. Now, we know we talk a lot about browse and suggested being, Mm -hmm. you know, a really great traffic and 80% of traffic on YouTube being from that, but the 20% is still really, really high. And the magic of creating a search first archetype channel is you can create a piece of content and it gets searches and it can appear in Google search uh, and you, if you do it right, and we'll we'll cover this a, a bit later, you can actually create chain viewers from a search that by the end of watching several of your videos, they go to your website, they, they purchase something, they purchase your info product, mm-hmm. or they sign up for a consult. And so we see it as potentially, if done right, one of the fastest to from finding you to purchasing from you, um, if done right, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's this model, as we talked about it the other day, it really was kind of exciting because, you know, it takes, as all of you know, listening, it takes a lot of work and a ton of time to build up a YouTube channel. Um, and so this opportunity where it could be a significantly shorter amount of time um, and just the monetization opportunities that come as soon as people start watching through your video chains. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's let's talk into some of the stuff we were we were discussing on on how I would go about doing this. The first one is clusters, topic clusters, and this will become a huge part of of your strategy and perhaps is one of the biggest differences to how I would approach this to what people would traditionally think of search topics. Because traditionally, if I were saying I'm going to make a search channel, I would just say, oh, I'm going to make this video searchable and then another video searchable, and then another video searchable. And they're almost all um, like independent pieces of content. And the thing is, that's great. You get ad revenue, you know, from people. They search that, they watch some of your ad, if they watch some of your ad, and then they watch, and they get the answer, and then they leave, right? And you'll still have some of that. But what's far superior is if you have a clear um, outcome in mind for your audience based around the searches that they're making, 
and clear clusters of, of topic videos so that when they watch one of your videos, they have to watch another one and another one and another one. We're seeing a lot too with YouTube, like YouTube kind of seems to make a blueprint of what they think your channel is really about. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if the topics of our videos don't have any unifying, you know, theme, then it's difficult for YouTube to know like what, so true, what things should, I mean, you might get a video that just like kills it in search, gets tons of traffic. Um, but then you have other videos that don't ever rank at all in search. Um, we know in the blogging space, like we build authority around a topic by having multiple pieces of content that cover the different angles of that topic. Mm -hmm. So on YouTube, we, we would do want to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, now, what that looks like organizationally on the channel, it's a little bit different than a blog. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we definitely want that because that's how we show, oh, I'm authoritative on this topic. And so because I have multiple pieces mm -hmm. of content that just cover all the different angles. Right. Well, I think one way that like to signal to YouTube that this is what you're doing, yeah. they've made it super convenient. It's a playlist. I mean, all of these topics <laughs> yeah. are playlists. I mean, Ricky, when we were talking about this before, you were like, oh, well, on a blog, you'd have blog categories. Totally. On YouTube, you have your playlist, and that is just a great tool that can help YouTube pretty quickly pick up what your your topics are about, what your channel's about. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and so I would structure it that way. Were you going to say something, Ricky? Yeah, I think we're probably saying some of the same things, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I would structure it that way. And, and to that point of the reason why a lot of... Uh, if a general, a lot of general tutorials channels just never really make it uh -huh. is because of this very reason. And the first thing I would say is like, get, get your, your, your content buckets, right? What right. are the primary topics that you win with? And you're just going to make the best for mm -hmm. that. And you use playlists um, for on the algorithm side to categorize. I've done some digging into playlists. They have remarkably little information about how playlists are treated on YouTube. Yeah. But the best I can come up with is it serves as another layer of classifying for their SEO purposes what that video is about. And another layer of classifying that these videos are related to each other if they're in, right. a, in a related playlist. And I think that's the key there is the, the goal isn't necessarily, I mean, it's great if your playlist shows up in search and somebody watches your video from the playlist, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it's not that, that that's not what's happening most of the time. Yeah. Right. The, the bigger benefit is that we're signaling to YouTube that this content is all related. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, that's the bigger benefit by far. Yeah. So we've done channels kind of like this, similarly structured to kind of what we're talking about here. But some well, a connection that I made when we were having this discussion is the strategy that you need to implement in the planning of this channel is where it can make the biggest difference. A lot of the sure. videos we made on these previous channels that were probably a lot kind of, uh, they were primarily for search, is there was not a lot of choosing a specific category or two or three specific categories. Those it was just buckets, like, yeah, yeah, we didn't have those content buckets. And so I think it's a huge, it's going to give you a huge advantage. And I think the advantage that you could have by doing a channel like this is choosing those topics, you know, making sure that you strategically choose those so that you actually have some sort of category or some structure to your channel rather than just kind of throwing the spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the behavior to paint a picture of the behavior we're looking for from the audience side, because we talk about the algorithm side, yeah. the audience side, the behavior, the ideal here is exactly, I, I use this example when we were talking about it. I was researching a certain mental health topic about um, one of my family members and uh, 
so I searched first. So first action was I searched for something around this topic. Then I found a few videos. I found a creator that I liked mm -hmm. um, because she was she spoke right to the camera and she sounded like she knew exactly what she was talking about. Uh, like the words were resonating with me, all of that. Yep. And so my behavior was I watched one of her videos and what did I do next? I looked at the suggested yep. videos. I saw some other videos with very appealing titles related to that one. So I watched and I, I clicked a couple more, you know, and I watched that and I watched another and I watched another. And um, that was probably the, the ideal audience behavior. Yeah. And actually the ideal audience behavior for this cluster model that we're looking at um, because it, it, when you, they come in through the searches and then they like you and then they use the suggestion engine to, to draw that close relation. So the algorithm is doing the work of suggesting your other videos. Right. And the user, the, the person that searched in the first place, doesn't have to go back into search to search right. more things because they like you and they see all these related interest-based um, videos around that same topic. Right. So I think there are kind of a couple important principles to help make this happen. The first is that I think in every cluster, you need one or two real search cracks. We call them cracks because it's like we can we can edge our way in here and break it open and get search, right? And so um, oftentimes what we're looking for is um, topics that we know people are watching videos for on YouTube, but that are underserved. Mm -hmm. If we find videos, you know, you go do a search on YouTube and you find videos from just small channels, um, not a lot of subscribers is what I mean. Low subscriber count, but relatively high view count. We know that's a video that's probably getting a lot of those views from search, unless it happens to have been a video that randomly went viral. But for these types of topics, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is search. And, what we, and now we know, okay, that's probably an underserved topic because this is a channel that despite the number of views they got on that video, the channel didn't grow. And so we can probably beat that channel in search um, or at least show up right next to it. Mm -hmm. If we can have a couple of those in every one of these kind of clusters or buckets of content. And then we use all of the signals to tell YouTube all of the videos that go with it. We talked about playlists, mm -hmm. but what about like an end screen? We talked about yeah. on the end screen, like what's the most related video in the cluster that goes next? Also, let's show the playlist as two different, you know, two of those boxes in the yeah. end screen. So, that's a signal. What about linking in the description? What about a pinned comment? What if, you know, as we do these things linking to what the next video is, we're, we're giving, we're making it easy for YouTube to fill the suggested feed and to even if they just watch the whole video and the up next, um, either way, we're feeding those engines, um, the perfect next video mm -hmm. and YouTube makes it easy. Then people will watch that. Right. Yeah. So, okay, I have I have a kind of a question that I want to pose here. Yeah. The wheels are turning in my mind. So when I think of a user, they go do a search. It kind of represents a point where they're at in their journey of interest in the topic. Um, and then the video chain or, you know, whatever the, the interest loop, it kind of represents like the continuation of their journey. You know, whether it's like the example you gave, Nate, where you kind of binged the content, or it could be, you know, if I'm trying to get into, I don't know, dirt bikes, and then I'm kind of watching a ton of videos about getting into it. Well, what about down the line when I'm into the maintenance or when I'm into upgrading? So there's like, I guess the question that I'm posing here is, do you think that a channel like this could potentially be 
or, or have the effect of subscribability where the person, even though they're not really following you for you, just because you present the best information possible, like the lady you found on YouTube, Nate, that you might stick around or, and, and maybe it's not that they're there forever, but you still almost get the ongoing benefit as if they were subscribed to your channel. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Uh, my, my initial thought here is that we're not excluding the other traffic sources, right. uh, the potential of that, because right. I, I didn't mention this at the beginning. I said it was search first, but mm -hmm. a strong playing factor in this is the suggestion. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great point um, that you will be capturing other types of mm -hmm. stuff. And potentially some of your videos, like what Ricky was starting to explain, is some of your videos are, are targeting cracks. They're entry points for right. search. But then the other ones may not necessarily be as searchable, it, the video itself, but it's very related mm -hmm. to this original search. And so you're creating that interest right. loop or that chain of videos. Right. Um, and at that point... Um, I could see the algorithm classifying that one as a very good for suggested mm -hmm. traffic video mm -hmm. versus search. Um, both of those I can yeah. see being very successful. I I totally agree. Um, I would say that the Income School YouTube channel started out mostly targeting search. Today I don't. That's not the case. That's not the way I write my headlines. My you know my titles. It's not the way I make the thumbnails. Um, several of the videos are definitely searchable but that's not what I'm shooting for. But like the income school channel really kind of started out as like, we're making informational content. People will find us through search and then eventually the suggestion engine picks it up and, and right. so on and so forth. Right. We didn't, we definitely didn't have this sort of a structure, but um, our channel was able to kind of evolve as we started seeing what worked like, okay, cool. We just, we just evolved with the channel. We didn't have a, a game plan going into it is like, Hey, we made some videos and they did pretty well. Let's, uh, let's keep doing that. And then, um, we let our personality right. kind of shine through a little bit more. And so, uh, you know, we let the maybe connection entertainment archetype level up a little bit. It's still mostly information, but there's some of those things. Um, and, and, and we started following more of that archetype right? and using the, you know, getting most of our views, not from search, but from, the suggestion engine, the recommended, the up next. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do think we're not negating those other options, but there are definitely some like really big channels on YouTube that very much are like search. It's all search and they yep. have a lot of subscribers. Yep. They're very subscribable, but I might be subscribed to some of those. I do not watch 90% of their videos. Right. Um, right. It doesn't apply to me. But when one comes out that does apply to me and I see that come across my feed... I, I'm going to watch it. Or if I'm doing a search and I see that they made a video about that, I'm like, mm -hmm. you can bet okay, I'm cool. Yeah. I'm going to watch that one because yeah. I know what to expect. Right. I know the level, the quality yeah. of, of information. You're like holding them in your back pocket for right. when you need them, mm -hmm. but exactly. they're there. Yeah. Right. And, and you're creating. So when we say search only, it's, we're not talking um, non-relatable, non, you know, trust building content mm -hmm. at all. Right. And in fact, you will always benefit from being memorable mm -hmm. with your content for that very reason, because even if they come, they get the answer and then they're, they're good. They're satisfied. Right. But if they remember that and they come back again in a week when they've got their next question you yep. know, about how to re repair their motorcycle or something, yep. and they say, you did another one, they're going to pick you first. 
and you want that behavior. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and also speaking to that point of audience behavior, even if you're publishing on a variety of different content buckets, um, if the algorithm has started to see that you're interested in this group from this, from this creator, from you as the channel, um, I'm, I'm confusing audience and channel here, but if the algorithm has seen that your channel creates this type of stuff and the audience sees, um, the, the algorithm sees that the audience is interested in only these certain topics about your channel, then they'll, the algorithm will still show those mm -hmm. topics to them. Right. Um, they may they may be less likely to show the other topics, but it works either way. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about here is this model potentially has the most potential for be able, being able to pre-plan things and potentially the most potential for success if you pre-plan all of right. these clusters. Um, because you'll be using the hub and spoke model and interest loops with this, but you can almost go in and say, okay, what are the topics I want to win? You know, what are the areas I want to win? These are, I've got these five different topics that are my primary content pillars, right? And then under that, it's almost, it's very similar to what I understand of the, the blogging uh, search analysis. Yeah. Under that, you look for cracks, you find the, the chains in interest, and then you can almost pre-plan entire year's worth of content and boom, you've already got it because it's not nearly so dependent on, um, especially if you already are a good expert on this thing, it's not right. nearly so dependent on audience feedback. Um, right. You will be affected by that because you want to see what the audience likes or not, right? But but you can pre-plan mm -hmm. in a much more effective way with this. And I think that's one of the things that makes this model pretty appealing to me. Um, and coming over kind of from the blogging side, again, the connection that this has with the potential to go alongside a blog, again, I just think that it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other thing I, I would say on this is a, a cool advantage is if you approach it this way, you can be much more niche with your uh, appeal on your titles and thumbnails. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times when you have an ongoing audience, you don't necessarily know when, where they are in their cycle of you know, learning whatever you're doing, if it's an right. information channel, whatever it is. Um, but with this, you don't have to do as much general appeal content. You can actually just do um, much more niche appeal yeah. um, titles and thumbnails, which is great. That allows you to get closer to the niche more quickly, especially for search. Yeah. Which I think also brings out the point like this approach makes a lot of sense for niche appeal topics. Um, and, and that's part of where this whole topic came from is like when you're looking at a channel and you're like, Hmm, the appeal for this channel is pretty niche. Like there's not going to be broad appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, there's specific like demographics of people at specific times in their lives that really want this content mm -hmm. right. and nobody else wants it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and when that's the case, like this could be a great way to, to get that, those views and, and get a lot of those views. Um, and also depending on kind of what is the goal of your channel, um, is the goal to get as much YouTube traffic as possible and get that ad revenue, or are we driving other business through affiliate marketing, our own courses, products, consulting, whatever that is. Um, in which case I don't necessarily need a massive audience. I just need an audience that like they got into that, you know, that funnel, they, they got into one of those interest loops and all of a sudden they're like, okay, this is where I want my information, yeah. uh, yeah, if I'm going to do a consult, like, let's do this. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's a really good point, is the niche appeal yeah. um, can work really well. And we've seen this in the past, uh, which is why we taught it previously, then we kind of stopped doing this because we realized there was more models for this. But um, 
doing search cracks, like finding those areas, lead, lends to, to a channel growing very quickly, if done uh -huh. right. Yeah. Um, because of this niche appeal. If you find an underserved niche and you beat that, like you will become quickly classified by the algorithm. I've seen it time and time again, niche channels doing this. Uh, the right. main reason we shied away from the, you know, going search first with finding cracks and stuff is because it, we found it was very hard to transition at that point to another model of right. channel, um, which would be the case here. But if we're going into it knowing it's a search model channel, like it's search archetype, we're, this is our game. Our long-term game is to create this passive um, type of content and create the, these patterns we've been talking about. Then it has great advantages yeah. in growing that way via search quickly Absolutely. Uh, because we've seen i mean you post a video on youtube and if the algorithm's already pre done its work on your video yeah you can rank on search within minutes uh -huh. um when you post a video and so that's a huge advantage of this also yep. very different than on a, on a blog right i can publish a blog post and google might not even crawl that they might not even see what's on that page for weeks months sometimes right. on a new yeah. site but on youtube like they quote crawl, right? They, they, their computer watches that video like before you hit publish. Yeah, it's while you're uploading. Yep, exactly. They're, they're processing it. Uh -huh. yeah. Right. So they already know what's in it. They've already crawled it. And so it can add, it can literally go into their index immediately. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. So if I was going about creating this type of channel, um, I would look at, I, I would first go into it and say, well, what are the pillars of the topics that I want to win with this? Mm -hmm. And then I would say, okay, so we've got the primary pillars. Um, I probably at the beginning wouldn't choose more than five, like primary things that I'm going to win, topics I'm going to win. And then under that, I would start doing <laughs> search analysis. Yeah. I would start saying, what are the questions people are asking? What are the, what are the bigger topics and what are the sub-topics? And then I can almost do a mind map of, you know, here's my hub bigger topic, right. subtopics are spokes. Um, and, and likewise, with interest chains, if there's a natural series of questions that people are going to ask, what's the starting point? Yep. Where are they going to get in? And what are the next things that yep. they want to know? Yeah. And also, to that point you were talking about earlier, Nathan, about moments in time, mm -hmm. that would be a great approach here also. Yeah. You say, okay, you know, where, where are they right now? And where are they going to want to right. be? Or where right. are they headed? And making sure I have content for that next yeah. um, step. So I do that. And then the next thing I do is I, I could create an entire like plan of all the videos I'm going to make. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I know, I know, I know this question's coming up for a lot of you, especially if you're seriously considering doing this is publishing schedule. <laughs> yep. How are we going to publish these? When are we going to publish these? And this is an untested theory thus far. But if I were starting, let's say I'm doing a brand new channel with this, I would want to make sure I published in groups of topics. So that would look like um, three, maybe three videos in a row about the same topic, you know, they're related videos. Right. So then you can point to each other, do mm -hmm. that type of stuff. And then maybe I'd move on to the next one and do three videos and then move on to the next one and do three videos. Um, what I wouldn't do is publish them all at once. I, I don't think no. that's ever a good sign. If, if all of a sudden there's 50 videos, boom, <laughs> all the ones right. published and then right. boom, you know, that's, I probably would not do that. Um, the other thing I'd say there is, and feel free to add your thoughts if you yeah. want to hear, is with this one, it would make sense to refresh content on an annual basis because yeah. YouTube does value recency. Uh, and so 
if you create a year plan, for example, you've got all your video topics pre-planned, all the hubs and spokes and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you're almost going to do the exact same thing the next year. Right. Just refresh it, make new stuff, um, redirect. You could you could create a task list of when you're publishing each of right. the videos, end screens, playlists you're going to add them to, yeah. videos you're going to take down, all of those factors. Yeah, and I think that really makes sense because there are probably some videos, well, you're going to have data at that point. Not only will you be able to see like, what did really well? You're going to see what didn't work. You're going to see what topics are, you know, you're going to get some uh, some actual audience feedback. That's just going to be a time. And it's funny because we actually we do this in the blogging system uh-huh. um, or in our blog, our current blogging course, and we call it battleshipping, uh, where you go back through and you just take this whole, uh, a large amount of time to evaluate your content. And we see, we've seen it over and over again, do great things for people's content because rather than just creating new uh, new videos on new topics, you know, into eternity, you actually can win some topics and you just hold on to them forever. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to create, you know, 10,000 videos on 10,000 different topics. You could hold the top 100 or 500 or however big you want your channel to be, but it's just a lot more manageable mm-hmm. um, and it's just a lot more systematic and planned. Right. For sure. I, yeah, I totally agree with all that. I think the other thing too is organizationally we want to make sure that like we we aren't dropping the ball anywhere right and so we talked about creating these buckets and you know uh, you know these uh we've been calling them kind of interest loops mm-hmm. um sometimes it's a loop maybe sometimes it's a hub and spoke depending um depending on what it is with a hub and spoke model it's kind of like i guess you could add more hubs over time mm-hmm. but um it's kind of a it's a complete thing um, with the loop. It's like, there's not one hub that we're pointing to. It's more like wherever you came into this loop, we're just going to pass you along to the next video. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should have that planned out. So like, if I'm going to plan out the whole years of videos and then next year, I'm going to kind of update those. Like I should know what video is going to lead to what video. Mm-hmm. And then when I publish a video, I, I should be able to look at that plan and be like, okay, um, what video needs to point to this and what video do I need to point this one to? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and if that's like a loop or a hub and spoke, like when the next video comes out, I might have to, you know, kind of unhook one of those chain links and pop it in there. And then, you, you know, um, but we want to organizationally be on top of this. I think that's one of the places where um, when we've kind of done this ourselves, we've really missed the boat there because mm-hmm. um, we didn't have this sort of strategy or a plan like laid out for this. And so, you know, great. I recorded these videos and maybe I even schedule out three months of videos to publish. And then I don't look at the channel again. It's like, no, every time one of those videos publishes, we need to make sure that we've made the right connections Mm -hmm. so that, so that people don't get dropped off of that loop. Yeah. And that's perhaps one of the biggest mistakes I see search first channels making is they don't do the homework in post to make sure that those loops are happening. Right. Then they end up just a splattering of videos. It's just a splattering of videos. videos. And you can, I I can spot that type of channel a mile away because typically their topics are all all over the place and they'll have a few videos that did really well, like tons of views. And then the rest are just kind of like not that great um, because they haven't created that repeat watchability. Um, Because remember, a big focus here is not just winning a single search, right? It's winning multiple videos views and that will create a much stronger channel. If you're going into it, knowing 
your audience intent is not just to watch one video, it's to watch five or 10 of yep. your videos. Uh-huh. Um, and then by the end of that, they've become, they've got to know, like, and trust you as the the host, the channel maker. And then they know what you do, like what you offer, if it's a consulting or whatever you're offering at that, at that uh, stage, uh, then they know that going in. And think about what that does to the YouTube algorithm when YouTube identifies like these entrance points that when somebody enters, you know, here on this video, on average, they watch three in a row, you know, all of a sudden like that, that video that was ranking number five in search is not ranking number one. Um, That video is that's maybe a little bit more broad appeal is suddenly getting suggested even though that's not what it was yeah. created for. Yeah. And so when, yeah, when it, when it all feeds off of each other and we really do capture people at the right moments and, and then guide them along, uh, that just uh, fuels the algorithm like crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, great. That's the model, everybody. Uh, if you are looking into, yeah, it's just that. No big <laughs> deal, simple. right? <laughs> if you're looking into doing something similar, then maybe go back and give this a re-listen. Yeah. Um, because it's going to look very similar structure. Again, the, the advantages are it can be more passive. You don't have to worry about the audience building or the making sure every video appeals to every single right. audience member because you know on your end that you're just creating that those view chains. So the, you're, you're just targeting search. You're just doing those things, and you don't necessarily have to worry with each video, and you can create more niche search videos, yep. which is extremely difficult <laughs> on a channel <laughs> that you have an ongoing audience. Um, now the, you know, the disadvantages, there's all those, obviously the disadvantages of not the ongoing audience and the, the ongoing subscribability, but the format can be very successful. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to add other, one other thing here. I don't want anybody listening to this to assume that because they're just targeting search, they don't have to make appealing sounding mm-hmm. videos. You still have to be good at titles and thumbnails yeah. and yeah. making engaging yep. videos. You have to know that stuff. Uh, because if you can target search and make them appealing, then there's they're well much higher likely that they actually click on your video from search. But mm-hmm. then also, if your video sounds appealing from suggested or even browse, you'll get those traffic sources yeah. as well. It's just not your primary target. Yep. So if you're going to this being like, oh, great, I could just create <laughs> tutorials and you know make them super dry. I'm sorry, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> Somebody else is going to come along and make a much more engaging video with a better yeah. title and thumbnail, and they'll just beat you. That's just yeah. how YouTube works. So great, that's model. Anything else you guys have to? Yeah. Nope, that's add here? that's it. Great. We're hoping that was helpful for you. Let us know again if you have uh, questions on ongoing comments in the community. And until next time. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.